everybody, this is Ryan O'Halloran, Broncos beat reporter for the Denver Post, and welcome to a special edition of the First and Orange podcast. Our guest today is Mike Shanahan, the Broncos' two-time Super Bowl winning head coach who is going into the team's ring of fame at halftime of the Raiders game on Sunday. So thanks to Aaron Onaveras from our photo department, Rachel Ellis from our photo department, for coming over to Coach Shanahan's house today for a conversation and a photo shoot and this podcast. Uh, Mike, big honor for you coming up on Sunday at halftime of the Raider Bronco game, going into the, the Broncos ring. You're going to see your name on the stadium forever. Uh, <laughs> what does that honor mean to you and your family? Well, it's, a, it's a great honor, you know, something that you, you know, you dream of. And to be around so many Hall of Famers when I was here coaching, you just know what a special group it is, and to be part of that team is something that is a great honor. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Steve Atwater is going to be honored also this mm-hmm. weekend, and, and you have a great history with him. Um, what does it mean to sort of have have him also be honored uh, on the same game? No, it's uh, that's something very special because Steve is such a class guy. I had a chance, you know, when he came in, uh, was kind of my second time as the assistant coach. I came came in here after the Raiders and. To just be around Steve and see how he handled himself, see how he worked as a pro, and he was, you know, somebody that was very special. One of the big reasons why we won those Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> when you were hired after serving as San Francisco's coordinator, what what what, what could you build on besides John Elway, quarterback, and, and what gave you uh, a lot of uh, confidence after that first season? A big reason that uh, it was such a great learning experience for me when I did go to San Francisco that they had won four Super Bowls in a nine-year time frame. And obviously there's not a lot of organizations that do that. You know, we had been to three Super Bowls in four years, but we got you know embarrassed in those three Super Bowls. I had a chance there to see how they operated as an organization. And uh, when I got there and we went to two you know, NFC Championship games, we lost them and finally got a chance to win one against Dallas the last time I was there. It was just a learning experience for all three years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they play the game differently in the NFC back in those years? They were more physical. Uh, they were, you know, all kind of like four-man fronts. And they, they were, I don't care if you dealt with the Giants or the Redskins or whoever you are dealing with at, at the time uh, or the 49ers. They took pride in doing that. And in the AFC, they're a little bit more of the 3-4 defensive, not, not quite as physical, but probably a big difference for us in those Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Discovered Terrell Davis that first year. With the Broncos, um, how early could you tell this 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 guy was different as a running back? Well, you, running backs you really don't know until you get in the game, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see it in practice. But since you don't go live because you don't want to you know, put your running back in that situation, having a chance to get hurt before you start playing, you don't realize it until preseason games. And we saw a big play by Terrell, you know, on special teams, and we realized he's a football player. And then when, then we started playing him in the preseason. You could see very quickly he had some ability that most players don't have. Mm-hmm. You had John mm-hmm. El- you had John Elway as a very young player when you hear as a receivers coach and then a coordinator when you come back to Denver. Obviously a veteran. You know what was the collaboration like during the week and also between series with you and John? Well, not a lot between series. Every once in a while you communicate, but when you're the offensive, you know if you're quarterback coach or offensive coordinator and you're upstairs, you communicate every once in a while, but you're on the headsets with, or I was at that time with Dan Rees. And so you're trying to always get the, you know, the right play, talking about personnel, defenses, all those type of things that go into uh, trying to get the, you know, best play sequence, sequence as possible with your quarterback and your offense. 
The I want to ask you about the two AFC title games at Pittsburgh the first year and then home against the Jets the second year. You know, two totally different situations. Pittsburgh, you're an underdog coming off that win at Kansas City. What was the mood in the building that week? Because that was such a huge win over the favored Chiefs. How quickly could you tell your guys were ready for the Steelers? Well, first of all, both those games were very physical. Kansas City at that time, you know, especially playing at their spot, it was a very tough physical game. And we tried not to put John in a situation where we're going to drop back a whole lot because they had a pass rush that was second to none at that time. And now we managed to, you know, win a tight game 14 to 10. And we felt the same thing against Pittsburgh. You know, we come back and make a big third down. We win 24-21. But we knew it was going to be those type of games that have an opportunity to get to the championship or get to the Super Bowl. You play Green Bay in that first Super Bowl. As you mentioned, this team had been to the, to the Super Bowl several times and it hadn't gone well. Did you, did you, I don't want to say feel the pressure of a region, but did you embrace sort of what what this went what that win would have meant for the city of Denver and the whole state? Well, I felt very good going into the game. And, you know, as I told, you know, my kids before the game, I said, we're going to win this game. I'm telling you, we're, we're ready to play. And then on that first drive, you know, they miss a uh, call. And uh, they still they still make that third down, and they, they go down at 7 nothing. I said, uh-oh, we're going to have to. We're going to have to match that pretty quick, and we did. So I, I felt pretty good after that first series, but it was a very physical game, and it was nice to find a way to win. And then the uh, the, the the next year, going for the repeat, you fall behind the Jets uh, in that AFC title game. What was the nerves like on the sideline as time was running out, and you're trying to rally? Well, it was kind of kind of a little bit different because it was just three to zip, and the wind was you know 30, 35 miles per hour. Uh, both John and uh, Benny at that time had a hard time, you know, throwing the ball. <clears throat> we decided to take the win in the third quarter uh, and had a heck of a third quarter. Mm-hmm. We wound up getting six turnovers in that game, to, and we gave up none. And so we actually dominated the football game in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the Atlanta mm-hmm. Super Bowl facing Dan Reeves, did, did, you, did you have a pretty good feeling it was going to be John Elway's last game? I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it might be if he had the type of game he had, you know, when you throw for that many yards and you, you play the way you did and to your second Super Bowl. And I wasn't really sure because John was taking some shots at that time. And he was, you know, it took him a number of days to recover to get ready for each game. So I thought there was a chance, but I wasn't 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um Fast forward a couple of years to 2004. Um, I had just started covering Washington a couple of years before you got there. And my first day on the job was the Clinton Portis Champ Bailey trade. Mm-hmm. How did that trade, that heist, how did that trade come together? Well, number one, uh, I knew Clinton was uh, going to go back to Miami. He was just, he just loved the area. And, uh, you know, he was in, in a contract situation where I said, you know what, if you're not going to be part of our offseason program, and he's going to spend all his time in, you know, in Miami. I said, I'm going to look for a possible trade. And then uh, I knew, you know, Dan at that time would be interested in a guy like uh, Clinton because of his stats. He averaged over 5'5", five, five a carry for two years in a row. He just kind of, he kind of lit it up. He actually got much better at catching the football as well. So uh, with their running game and us you know, needing a, a great defensive back, yeah, you know, we felt pretty fortunate not only to be able to make the trade, but also get a second-round draft choice as well. What made Champ so good? He could do everything. Number one, he was a student of the game. He had great speed. He was physical. And every day he came to practice trying to get better, and he influenced everybody on the football team. There was nothing. 
nothing he couldn't do. He, he thought he was a receiver, so he worked up. He, we tried to practice him at wide receiver, and then he found out that he couldn't catch the ball quite as good as he thought he could. So <laughs> coming back for the ball is a little bit different than catching the ball as a defensive back, but uh, it, was a, it was a great experience for, uh, you know, for him at that time trying to make the transition, but God, he played so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the famous story about and jumping around to different players here is you, you stayed off the Jay Cutler radar all the way up until you picked him. Mm. Um, what did you like about his tape at Vanderbilt and how it translated to you guys? Well, number one, I knew Jeff Fisher, and he was at that time he was at Houston, and he was looking at all the quarterbacks, and we could communicate relative what type of guy he was, and I could see what I liked on film. And so as time went on, and uh, you know, we were at the end. I think what we were, what were we at that time, 29th pick, um, and we moved up to draft and hoping that he might be there, but we weren't really sure when he was going to be taken or when that opportunity would come. So. When we, when we obviously moved to that position and had a chance to pick him, we felt uh, very good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Bowlen, obviously <clears throat> you'll be connected to him as part of the legacy <clears throat> here. What what made him the, the owner that had so much success and dealing with him as the head coach? It was great for me because you know, I came in about uh, a month before Pat did. So mm-hmm. when I got hired you know, as part of the organization, you know, I felt very good coming from, from the University of Florida. And then my wife was supposed to come down, and Dan said, well, hey, guys, I think we got a new owner, and he's from Canada, and before he, I got to find out if I got a job. So if I don't have a job, you guys don't have a job. So my wife postponed coming down for a week or two, and then when he said, no, we all got jobs, at least, you know, the owner's going to keep everybody. Uh, then I knew it was going to be my first year in Denver. I got to know Pat so well, and he loved to work out, and I'd always be down there with the players as well as, you know, John. And, you know, going through your off-season program, getting to know people with my first year as well. And Pat would be part of that. He'd be on the treadmill. He'd be he'd be on the bike. And, you know, I, I got to know him quite well. So as, as time went on uh, and our friendship grew, it grew as an assistant coach and a head coach, and he was one of my best friends. When, uh, you <clears throat> won the Super Bowl in San Francisco. How quickly after that game was the deal done to, to rejoin the Broncos? I'll be honest with you. He asked, actually asked me to come back my first year. We were, I believe, we were fourteen and two in San Francisco. We were pretty good. I had uh, come back to talk to uh, Dan, and it just the things that I was really looking for uh, if I was going to be a head coach again after going through the you know short time with the Raiders. I wanted a few things, and I didn't just feel right at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to stay, and uh, obviously Wade was hired. And uh, two years later, you know, they, he calls me up after after the games. So the things that I was looking for, uh, the first time we got the second time, and it was you know it just worked out perfect. Final say on personnel being that wasn't really the big deal. The okay. final say on personnel, even though I did have the final say, because you know when you're the head coach and there's so many guys that are so good at what they do your position coaches obviously your scout staff your general manager that what you do is really have the ability to you know if there's a, a tie in an area and you can't make up your mind you kind of have your final decision but i think that is overrated i think the thing that we were able to do is do the little things that gave us a chance to win i asked them for different things where players could stay in their own room could we have meals so guys could stay there for breakfast and lunch Different things that uh, we had in San Francisco that we had never, you know, had. 
uh, a big thing was, you know, their own room the night before the game. And that doesn't sound like a lot to, but to, to players. That was a big thing at that time. But every, every kind of idea that you had, Pat was always supportive of. And he wanted to always talk about football. He wanted to know what you were thinking, what you were doing. He wanted to be a part of it. And, and it was fun to talk to him every day because he'd come up in the office uh, every day unless I was in a meeting or, you know, uh, then he would come later on if I had time. But he never intrusive, always wanted support, and always, he always knew that uh, he had your back. After the, during that 2008 <laughs> season, you have the three-game lead. Um, did you did – you, Looking back after you were fired by Pat, did you see, did you miss any signs or did it come out of nowhere two days after the season? It was just the opposite. In fact, we played Buffalo before we played San Diego. And we played Buffalo, and people don't remember this, but uh, Pat actually came into my office on a Tuesday. And he told me after we lost the game, we lost the game by a touchdown. But we got 550 yards or 540 yards. And I think at that time, Buffalo had about 220. So, I mean, our, we're playing pretty good. And we've still lost. We've lost a lot of players. We yeah. lost five or six linebackers. We lost five five running backs. So he was he was trying to keep me from being down. So he said, "Don't get down." He said, "We got our team. We got Cutler. He's going to be. He's got a Pro Bowl year." He said, "You just lost. You know, most of your players. We just you know had, had you know I don't know how many first downs, but you got five hundred almost five hundred fifty yards. That, that's a heck of a day." So I was actually f- feeling pretty good about our football team. So when I did get fired uh, after the San Diego game, and he, he told me, I was, I was you know, quite surprised because of him talking to me the Tuesday before, talking me not to get down. Yeah. But, you know, things like that happen. It's one thing that's about the National Football League. You know, you kind of go through your journey. Sometimes things aren't perfect. And, but, hey, it's, it, it's part of the process. And it never changed my relationship with him because I don't want to get into anything more than that. But... Uh, I promise you, he was always one of my best friends. After after your tenure in Washington, are you surprised you didn't get back into it? No, I, I'm not. In fact, you know, you've got to make decisions that you feel are in your best interest. My big thing was about winning, mm-hmm. and I was not going to go to an organization just to go there to get a paycheck. I was going to go to a place that I thought had a chance to win a Super Bowl. It wasn't just going there to go there because, you know, if you don't win, it's, it's – it's not fun, mm-hmm. and I, I was lucky enough to be in different places where I felt like I had a good feel on what it took to win. And uh, if I did go back, I was going to make sure it was that situation. You've, been, you've won Super Bowls as an assistant coach and as a head coach. You've been to the Super Bowl as a head coach's father. Um, what were the difference in nerves as you were in Miami a couple of years ago watching San Francisco and Kansas City with Kyle? Well, I mean, it, it was actually part of the process, you know, part of the journey for him as well. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, but when you're, you know, the parent, and you know how big those games are and so and how hard it is to get there. And the thing I was actually so proud of is, you know, you know, he did go to Cleveland, and then he did go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Part of it is just kind of fighting through those, you know. The reason why you get hired is because usually the team's not very good. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to Cleveland and all of a sudden you start off 7-4, and you're saying, holy cow, this is, you know, this is pretty good. And it doesn't end up very, good, uh, very strong. And, you know, that's when he makes the, uh, the move over to Atlanta. And even the beginning of the season, you know, it was a little struggle. But, you know, they came back very strong. And anyway, just part, I was pleased with the process. And as a parent, you watch, watch it very close, closely. I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, this is the 49ers bye week. Um, 
well, how much family and friends will be on hand for you uh, for you this weekend as you're honored? Well, Kyle and his family coming in, his wife and you know his three kids and my daughter uh, and her husband and the four boys are coming, my grandkids. So I got seven grandkids, all 14 and under, will be part of the process. And some will be a little younger. Um, the younger ones, they'll go to the uh, unveiling, um, and that'll probably be the only thing they go to. They probably don't have any patience for anything more than that except for the game. So it'll, it'll be a fun weekend for us. Does this put a bow on your Bronco career? Um, I said the only bow that you have is when you was when you when you win. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, really the when you look back and you go through the process and how much you really enjoyed all the players and all the uh, coaches that you were with that gave you a chance to do all this. I think the fun part is if there's anything with a weekend like this is bringing all those guys in and getting a chance to see them again and going through all the memories that you have had because. You know, you're gonna, you don't get a chance to do that very often. Great. Mike, thanks for your time. Thank you, Ryan. And that's our conversation with former Broncos coach Mike Shanahan. You can read our Broncos coverage at denverpost.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan O'Halloran. And First and Orange Podcast, please subscribe and rate it wherever it's available. Until next time, thanks for listening.